Hello, and welcome back to Break the Twitch, an interview-based podcast on intentional lifestyle design. I'm your host, Anthony Ungaro. We sit down with amazing guests that share their expertise and personal experiences in how they do more of what matters, so you can too. In this episode, I sit down with Marley Williams, a joy instigator, official wilderness guide, and creator of epic experiences. She's also the creator of Camp Yes, a summer camp for women entrepreneurs, leaders, and changemakers. We talk about the power of disconnecting to connect, how to be more playful in life and work, and how starting small is one of the best ways to learn and grow and more. Finally, this podcast is supported by the BTT member community. Join the community to get immediate access to 12 month-long audio courses with topics ranging from decluttering to building a mindfulness practice. The community is chock full of tools and resources to implement sustainable changes in your life to help you design a life of your choosing. Go to breakthetwitch.com community to find out more. If you enjoy this episode, please do remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. But for now, let's start the show. Hey, Marley. Hey. Welcome to our Portland Airbnb. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yes, I'm, we're excited to have you here too. Mm -hmm. And I say we because Amy is here with me and we have been setting all of this up previously. And so now that makes more sense. Yes. <laughs> I know that you just came off of a pretty big, exciting, probably exhausting experience called Camp Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I want to dig right in here. What was Camp Yes all about? Camp Yes is the adult summer camp for women entrepreneurs, change makers, and leaders that I run annually. So this was year three of Camp Yes, and it was by far, I mean, I think that there's like year three magic when you're an entrepreneur. It's like first year, you're just like, I have this idea, I'm going to do this thing. And like year two, I, it like, it didn't get as much momentum because I had moved, I just moved to Portland. So there was just like a lot of transition and like year three, there was just so many dots that connected, like really owning the essentially like the curriculum that I created and the place that we had it and like the food and the venue, like everything just, it, it just, it flowed so well. It was amazing. And every year, like right before camp, I'm just like, I am never doing this again. It's like <laughs> for anyone that has ever put on their own event, it's a ton of work. And, you know, like a lot of events are at hotels and then like people go home or they go to their hotel room and at camp, they're there for four days straight overnight and having, you know, food and lodging and accommodations and activities and programming from like the time people wake up until the time people go to bed. So it's like full on for, you know, when we have one, we have 24 hours, one day to set up camp for 50 women essentially so there was like 60 people total including all the staff it always blows my mind and it was just so reaffirming like how transformational and how powerful spending time in nature is and how little most people do that hmm. and part of camp yes is actually a total digital detox so we were going to take people's phones and got some pushback from that because hmm. people are, are that addicted they're like no you're not gonna take my phone but we did make sure as people were checking in, they put their phone on airplane mode, they put it away, they turned it off, whatever, for the weekend. And not a single person had their phone out the entire time. Wow. And people loved it. And it was just permission to be fully immersed, fully present, fully actually connecting like human to human face to face and not trying to like capture the moment to like be in the moment. And I just think that we just need more spaces and places where we can do that. And I think the other big thing that I kept hearing from a lot of the campers was how healing play can be. Mm. And I think that we think about healing and um, like personal development, it has to be like really hard and heavy and therapy and like, you know, deep, dark secrets and all these things. And, and I, I'm not saying that's bad, but the, what I got reflected back was just, 
people saying that they have never laughed that hard or played that full out and how that just like released so much for them. And so like the whole thing, I just walked away being like, okay, like even though beforehand I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this again. I already like the week after this whole week, I've been getting like the dates and booked the same place for next year because people were just like, this changed my life. And so it's just like that commitment to creating experiences that change people's lives. Like that's what it's all about for me. So yeah, still in recovery mode and still in like processing all the things mode, but it was by far like the most impactful transformational experience I've created to date for sure. That sounds incredible for a multitude of reasons. And there's like three things I want to ask you about already about this. So the first little microcosm of this that I'm really curious about is the, the phone thing and not having it out. Did you see any pattern of like resistance, discomfort, and then like people, okay, we're fine. Did you see any of that happening? Oh yeah. Like, I mean, a lot of it on the front end, actually, like in my email communication, because I'd been talking to the staff, like, should I actually physically take people's phones or not? Like, and so the interesting thing this year, so the past two places that we've had camp, there is, there was no cell phone service. So it just kind of wasn't an issue. Like you, there's just no service. So we didn't feel the need to take people's phones, but the place that we were at this year did have cell phone service. And that's why there was this whole, like, should I take people's phones? Should I not like going back and forth? And I sent an email out to all the campers being like, just so you know, like, this is what's going to happen at camp. Like you're going to hand in your phone at check-in and we're going to put it in a cell phone sleeping bag and it's going to be <laughs> super cute and it's going to go camping just like you're going camping, but you don't have to be with it, you know, and, and trying to explain why, like that we, the goal is like, I'm not trying to be an a-hole. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to create an experience for you to not be plugged in to external noise, that this is really an invitation to tune into you and to truly connect. And when I sent that email, I got a couple emails back being like, I have these medical things, or I have to take care of my family stuff, or I have these things that I'm going to need to check in on or respond to or whatever. And so there was definitely pushback and resistance on the front end. And so I was like, man, what do we do? What do we do? And then at camp, uh, we gave people, I decided we pivoted and we're like, okay, you have the choice, like turn your phone off, leave it in your car or um, turn it in. And then at check-in, we were asking people and then like most people just were totally fine, totally fine turning it off or on airplane mode, but not handing it in. Giving up full, giving up full control. control. And so there was like, and so we just let people make that choice and feel empowered in that choice. Sure. And I think that there's so much for women, especially like Maybe they're the caregiver for their kids or their parents. Like there were women that were like, my, I'm the sole per, like primary person. Like if anything happens to my mom who's in hospital, you know, in this care facility, then like I need to know what's happening with her, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it's the first week of school for kids and parents, you know, all these things and all of these reasons why they like needed to have their phone. And just having compassion for that and also saying like, the invitation is for you to rely on the people in your life to show up for you so that you can show up for yourself. Because if you don't, you're going to burn out. And that, that need for, I think women, especially to just like always be on and always be there for everybody else. It's like such unfamiliar territory to just like, I have no responsibilities and I have no emails to get back to and no phone calls to make. And I just get to be fully present. It's like very unfamiliar, like uncharted territory for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh And so it's like there's all this resistance on the front end. And then like 24 hours in, it's like the people are just like blissed out. And, you know, I had a professional videographer there, a professional photographer. And I mentioned like they're here to capture the moment for you so that you can be in the moment. Yes. And... So they're, they are going to be taking photos and videos. And so it's not like we're like, it's, we're phone free and maybe not completely tech free because I think that there's value in really capturing the essence of this experience for you and for the future and all the reasons why that's helpful. Like just to relive that, but like for you to actually go down the slip and slide and not be trying to like 
Instagram it at the same time. You know, it was funny at the closing circle. I asked people like, how was it? Like, how was it to go without your phone? And they're like, oh my God, it was the best thing. I loved it. It was so freeing. And, and it actually helped people like totally change their trend, like their relationship with their phone. Yeah. And realizing like, I don't need to be as plugged in as I think I need to be. Like I was okay. And everybody else was okay. And nobody died. And I didn't die. Like, I mean, and it's like a realization that maybe I am, it's wakes people up to how, how addicted they are to their phone and how freeing it is to just be so present and not have to capture it in the moment while you're being in the moment. Yeah. Because the thing is, to be honest, like as a person who, you know, social media, it would be way smarter for me as a business owner to have you all have your phones Here's out. the hashtag. Here's the use. hashtag. And having, creating all this FOMO and getting people like stoked and signed up for next year. And I'm, I had to decide, like, I'm more committed to the integrity of the experience than I am to the marketing and trust that people's word and their, you know, reflections and sharing it afterwards. And, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to have photos and you can wait four days to share them and it's going to be fine. And so it's like having faith and trust in that too, because that's a big part of a lot of conferences and live events market through their people, through their hashtags. And it's different post event to do that, you know? A couple of things you've mentioned. Um, one is I remember the first time personally that I was forced to go without my cell phone. And this was a flip phone. This was a Motorola Razor, yeah. probably. And I went to a friend's cabin in northern Michigan, hmm. and there was no cell phone service. And so this was before phones were like iPhone addicting and like this level of interactivity and this kind of stuff. This was just like text messages, but still. Mm -hmm. And I remember that exact curve. That's why I asked. It's like, yeah. Oh, no. Like, I'm checking my phone even though I know there's nothing new because there's no signal and I'm still checking it. This was like 14 years ago. Yeah. 24 hours into it was the exact moment. I remember exactly like that where it goes, whoa. <laughs> and this weird kind of weight that you didn't even know mm -hmm. you're carrying just kind of goes and gets lighter all of a sudden. And yeah. then you're there. And then it was just sitting and the battery died because I, like, I didn't even bother yeah. charging it. And I know as you're saying, like, I understand there probably is element of privilege in being able to like, okay, I'm just, it's, I guess it's dead now and I, I'm not going to worry about it right. because there are a lot of people that are the, the, the linchpin for their families and right. holding together a lot of things. But what an amazing opportunity mm -hmm. to put some faith in the, the network, you know, in the, the family or in the different care providers that can help and mm -hmm. take some time for yourself. What a unique opportunity. Yeah. And to, to play specifically. And mm. this is something I've been learning about um, through your work, through Gary Ware, mm. um, through other folks that are like, hey, uh, yeah. adults, this is not something that ends, right? Like right. this is something we're capable of, mm -hmm. something that we deserve and something that lights up almost every other area of our lives yeah. when we tap into this thing. Mm-hmm. Was that a foundational element of camp? Yes, the, the play element or how did, how was that woven in? When I talk about camp, I talk about the, this blend of personal development, personal growth, personal exploration and play and weaving those two worlds together. Because I think that, again, it's like personal development can feel heavy at times or feel like a lot of work or feel like you're in a hotel conference rooms with fluorescent lights, like with a motivational speaker on the stage, right? Like or reading a self-help book alone in your room, you know, like that's what we think about. And then sometimes we think of play as purposeless hmm. at times, or like we don't make space for it. We don't create it. And I think that we've almost forgotten how to. You said, you mentioned purposeless, like play has no purpose. Yeah. And that's like, a, you know, there's purpose, but also the purpose is purposelessness right and exactly. then how often do we get to do yeah. these things that in our day-to-day -day lives that are just like well not necessarily attaining like a specific end result 
right. that we need because X and exactly. Y, yet we do need it. And it is this thing. The point is just to play. Like, what are you talking about here? Like, what what is play? The essence of it for me is like doing stuff that you love just because you love to do it. Like, without needing to accomplish something or... I think it's do and it's just doing things that fill you up. And I think that there are things that we actually do in our daily life that we could do in a more playful way. For example, mm. like you like cooking a meal could be playful and you could have music going and you could like open up a cookbook and be like, I've never made this thing before. I'm going to see what happens. And I think that there's an element of play where I'm not like it's not being attached to the outcome but really being super present in the experience and like allowing ourselves to actually enjoy the experience. You know what I mean? Like play is almost like a way in which you can see or frame or reframe things that you might not want to do. Mm -hmm. It's like, I get to cook dinner for my family and like, I could do this in a super fun, playful way. Really like making play dates with yourself or your friends or with your, you know, kiddos have play dates. And I think that as adults, we really, it's like, hey, I'll meet you at the bar for a beer or I'll meet you for a cup of coffee. And we like kind of get into these habits versus like, hey, there's this trail that I've been wanting to check out. And it's like in between our houses and like, let's meet at the trailhead at 10 and go for a hike together. Let's go instead of going to a movie where you're just like sitting and watching something. It's like, what can we do? Like, let's go to the zoo or like, let's go just go bowling together or something like kind of out of the ordinary. And what that does, I think it just creates, I love just creating magical moments, hmm. you know, and they can be, and I don't think magical moments have to be these big grandiose things, but these like small moments that we make like more meaningful through intention. I think it's all comes down to what is your intention? And I think creating time and space for play and seeing it as something that's essential versus something that's like, Oh, I mean, as adults, we're well, as kids, even we're taught, I'll play or you'll get to go play when all of the work is done. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so we have that mantra of like, I'm going to play when I get all my work done, when I get the website done, when I get the thing, then I'm going to go on that trip or then I'm going to go actually enjoy my life versus like actually creating intentional experiences and moments to enjoy like little everyday moments. And the challenge with that, as I'm hearing you say this, yeah. the work is never done, unfortunately. The work is never done. <laughs> Especially, Ever. you know, where we are now with like, we have the ultimate tools of productivity that society and culture has ever had. Yeah. We are connected faster and better and more frequently than ever before. Totally. Yet it just doesn't feel like we have any more free time unless we like somehow structure our lives in a way to do it. And it makes me think of budgeting too. Yeah. You know, like one of the core things around budgeting, and I'm not a personal finance blogger here, but, <laughs> but you know, one of the core things around budgeting is like pay yourself first. It's not what I have left over. I will then, then figure, pay off some debt or I'll like, I'll, I'll put some money in my savings account. I'm like feeling this connection between this and the idea of, saving the lifeguard totally play yourself play yourself well you, you played yourself that's not a good expression but <laughs> but uh but you know play yourself first maybe that's that's something that could be a thing well one of the things that i have people do that i work with is to make their per own personal playlist and not you can also make a song list if you want like you can have a dance party as one of your things that you like to do for fun and on that personal playlist I have people write down like, what are all of the things that you love to do that light you up, that bring you joy, whether it's like, I love playing my guitar, or I love dancing in my kitchen, or going for a walk with the dog, or hiking, or spending time with friends, or whatever. And on that list, I have people write down anything that takes as little as five minutes, up to five hours, and maybe even five days, like maybe even wanting to go on this trip, or go on you know, camping weekend getaways or whatever, going to check different places out and actually having like sitting down and creating a list and knowing that if you're feeling that like that lull in your day or in your week or in your life, that making it easier for you to play because you have this like, oh, I know what will fill me up and I only have five minutes because I have a lot of work to do, but I'm still, I'm just going to set a timer and I'm going to play my guitar for five minutes and I'm going to the, the biggest thing is when you choose play to like choose it all the way. Oh my gosh. And not choosing yes. it out of like, 
I'm going to go do this thing. Like, I'm going to go for this walk, but I really should be editing my thing and working on my website and talking to this person, client or having a sales call or whatever. It's like to choose it all the way and allow yourself to be filled up and know that it is of service to you and your work versus it being separate from it. You know, because if you are your work, if you are your business and you are burned out, overwhelmed, tired, stressed, and frustrated, you're going to be less effective, less creative, less innovative, and just not enjoy your life. And especially if you're a creative entrepreneur, like the whole freaking point is like, enjoy your life. And giving ourselves permission to play is one of the things I talk a lot about. Like, and so, right, you know, the permission slip of like, you are a grown ass person and you can do whatever you want. And, you know, we're only here for a short time. We might as well freaking enjoy it as much as possible. And seeing it, seeing how it's connected to our productivity too. And um, seeing, seeing it as valuable as getting all the work done, you know? You know, for, for those of you just listening right now and not watching on YouTube, I, I'm over here just like, <laughs> I'm like gripping the table. I'm like nodding my head, you know, and this just feels like such a say it once more for the people in the back moments. <laughs> Seriously, because yeah. what, what you just said about, about bring your whole self, productivity in play is a thing. Productivity totally. in work is a thing. Productivity, right? Yeah. And even with work, like the, I love the question of just like, how can I make this fun? Yeah. Because again, we have illusions and stories. We've been told our whole life that work is hard. How do I make it fun? Doesn't mean that it's like easy to do that, but it's possible, you know, mm -hmm. whether that's like making it fun by having an awesome reward at the end of like, I'm going to write a thousand words and I'm going to give myself like this gift or this permission to go do the super fun thing. Mm -hmm. And so how do I make the work that I have to do like more enjoyable? And I think reframing work and play and not seeing that them as like opposites and from like separate from each other, but really how can there is an ebb and a flow like there is time to like buckle down and write the book totally do the editing and like do what you have to do but if we're it's like we're on that cycle on the hamster wheel and it's hard to get off of it sometimes so it's like seeing that it's just like tides like water ebbs, ebbs and flows like our energy ebbs and flows and i think too part of play and productivity is knowing like how your like the best parts of your day to be productive, right? Like some people wake up in the morning and they can like rock out four hours of work like a boss, like from 8 a.m. to noon and then like have a long lunch or siesta or go work out or whatever. And then maybe they come back and then they work again from like three to six or something like that. Yeah. And I think it's just what is that flow of your day and how do you create space and time for play in the midst of like being a boss and getting a lot of work done and seeing like when I, when I go play tennis with my buddy or when I go to the gym, I am more productive, you know, and finding workouts that are fun and that are, you know, is it Zumba? Is it like being in a basketball league? Like versus, Oh, I have to go to the gym. Like I have to go work out. It's like, go for a trail run, go for a hike, go do something you actually freaking enjoy. Do a kickboxing class, like play, play take squash, a hip hop class, like whatever. Racquetball. I was thinking about that as kids, like we have extracurricular activities, you know, like we do other things. And like, as adults, it's like, what are your extracurricular activities? You know, like, what do you do for fun? And like seeing that as like essential, you know, so valuable. How did this idea come to you as an entrepreneur, as someone wanting to create these experiences and a joy instigator? Like, yeah. how did this come to you? And what were the first steps of you starting to formulate this wild idea to bring people together in this way? Well, it goes back to when I was 19 years old, I went on a 50 day outward bound course. And that was, I mean, really the huge transformational experience in my life. And on that outward bound course, we had a three day solo. And imagine like three days in the woods, no phone, no technology, not knowing, talking to anybody. And no books, I just had my journal and I wrote a ton of my journal and I wrote my mission on this course and in my life is to help people realize their full potential. When I was 19 years old on this outward bound course in the middle of the mountains in Colorado, I wrote that down. And that's really been my mission ever since. And so 
my, I actually got a degree in outdoor education. I tell people like, I'm legitimately a professional camp counselor. Like I got a degree in it. it says outdoor education on my bachelor's certificate. And then I was a wilderness guide for years. So I did wilderness therapy and I led 21 day backpacking trips for, for students, for high school students. Um, I did all sorts like river, river guiding trips and all sorts of different things like that. And then I got my master's degree in education. And so I learned how do people learn in program development, program design. So after my master's, I got hired at a university to work with first generation college students. And I was an academic advisor, like helping them. Essentially, I was like a life coach for college students. Meanwhile, when I was in grad school, I developed a program for incoming freshmen called WOOT, which stands for the Western Outdoor Orientation Trip Program. And it was a week-long backpacking trip, helping students build confidence, courage, and community as they entered into this like new part of their life. And then that ended. There was a Essentially, I ran that program for three years that I started, created from scratch, and I wanted to run it full time. Like that was my ultimate goal. And they hired somebody else to run this program. Oh my gosh. And it was just like, oh, the worst thing I could possibly imagine. And I'm like, F you. And that actually, I mean, everything's a blessing in disguise, right? So it really led me on my entrepreneurial journey. I went to Pioneer Nation for the first time in like 2014, which was in Portland for entrepreneurs. I was working full-time at the university still, but I was like, I want to do this thing. And so I led my first retreat and it was like a camping trip for LGBTQ women. It was like a weekend camping trip. Like that was, it was like 150 bucks or something, you know? And so I just started doing these things and felt like I have a ton of ideas. Clearly that is like not my problem at all. And then as I started my own business and started coaching, I just, I remember saying it out loud. I'm like, I want to create an adult summer camp for women. And it's called Camp Yes. Like, it wasn't even like, what am I going to call that? Like, she's like, that is the name. Boom, boom, and it was like, boom. my whole thing has been, you know, helping women say yes to themselves and their life and their big, crazy dreams and doing what they love. Okay, if I'm going to create this really intentional container and community of women that are kind of unplugging to plug in or like I call it like disconnect to reconnect, disconnecting from technology to reconnect to their life. And so much of being in nature is, was just turning down the volume on like the amount of outside influence that we're given on a daily basis that I think causes confusion and doubt and comparison and all this, just so much noise, just knowing how much more present we can be without that. And as much as I value that, like I'm addicted to my phone, you know, like I am not, I I am not immune and I realize it. Like I realize the value of, and the power of just the permission to be present. So this has been one part Mm -hmm. of your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. How else has this taken shape? I think one of the things that I have realized over the past few years running camp, yes, and running other retreats is just like you said, I think like the more digitally connected we get, the more people are actually realizing that their desire and their need for in-person, real life, human to human connection. Mm -hmm. Because I think that we are the experienced generation. Like I want to have experiences rather than things. I think for a lot of people, like I have one of my clients right now, she's putting on her very first like surf, surf, like life coach retreat or something like that. Right. And it's called the swell life retreat. Oh, dang. So good. <laughs> that's a good and name. And she has like four people and it's sold out. Like that's as big as the houses. Wow. She has four attendees and she has her, another person and a chef. Right. So one of the things I say to people is it does not have to be big when you start. When someone comes to me, Marley, I want you to help me with plan my event or plan my workshop or plan my retreat. And I said, I would say, what is your intention for you, for them, and for your business? So maybe for you, it's like, I have this message that I want to share and I want to, I want to be more confident and sharing that message for my audience. Like I really want them to have a transformational experience through surfing and, and feel really empowered and inspired of that. They're more capable than they think. Right. And for my business, it's like, maybe I'm enrolling in my mastermind program or my coaching program, or I want to sell my book or whatever. Like 
how is it going to serve your overall business? You did explain kind of like the road and the journey to find this thing. Have there been things you other things you've tried that like just you thought would do it more for you, but didn't along the way? Like I've I've been getting clear through just taking action. Like, all right, maybe this is a thing and trying it out. And my whole jam is like, it, like it's just one big experiment. Like, I don't know freaking what's going to happen or what's going to land. Or if I call a webinar this or I call a masterclass this, like how many people are going to come and why are they coming? Like who's coming? And it's just been like, I think the past year is really when I've like stepped into the facilitation training and coaching stuff. And it's still like, I mean, I'm still building that and really building this whole platform of like, this is what I want to be known for. Because before, I mean, and I still like with coaching and speaking, it was like, I like your energy. And so I want to work with you. And it was pretty vague. Mm. And I realized it's hard to get people results when it's vague. Mm. The clearer and clearer and clearer that I am getting and, and it will continue to evolve as it always does. But it's like, it's more fun for me. It's easier. Like when I think about writing curriculum or writing my freebie or my opt-in or whatever. It's like, I was like, I want to create a guide to creating your epic workshop. It's like, all right, if you're doing a two hour workshop, here's everything you need. It's seven pages. It's like, this is, you know, and so, and I, it came out of me in like an hour and then I had to like make it look good or whatever. Right. But it's just noticing where it feels again, where does it feel fun and easy? It's uh, it's been a theme on the podcast this season and I'm, I'm hearing it. And so I'm just going to put it out there a couple of things. One yeah. is the thing you mentioned about like four people at an Airbnb is an event. Hmm. Big thing with break to Twitch is like smaller baby steps. It's easy to have this big pie in the sky thing, but like, let's put this into action, make it a real thing. Right. Yeah. If it's like running, let's take some steps outside. That's, that's it. That's the start. An event can be four people and a chef. Sounds like a great event, yeah. actually. Yeah, super freaking powerful. Right. You know, like doing like a total deep dive with a handful of people and getting footage and getting the videos and getting the testimonials, getting your confidence, like all of it. The biggest fear is no one's going to come. Mm. Or like, what if they don't come? What if they don't sign up? Sure. And that's why I say it's like, you have to be all in. And I talk about the mindset with putting on an event or retreat, like, how are you energetically holding the container for people to say yes to you? And like you believing in what you have to offer. That is like, I mean, as much as it is like, oh, there, what Airbnb? It's like, do you believe in this thing? And if you believe in it, then create it. The other thing too, that I'm hearing that I want to just like hammer home here, because I love how you're talking about this. Yeah. The doing is the learning more so than the thinking through, thinking through, thinking yeah. through and planning it. And, and I feel so often I've done this to myself. I, I know we do this as humans. We come up with this idea. We put this big thing in our minds and, and we start planning it. And it's like, okay, I've never, I love analogies. So like, I, I, I've never made a pot before. So what I'm going to do is spend three years just thinking about like, what a pot should look like and how it should feel in my hands and like yeah. what the clay should feel like as I'm working it and how, what it'll feel like to have the wheel spinning. And we like yeah. plan those aspects of it thinking through instead of like, mm. okay, where's some Play-Doh? Yeah. And like, what happens if I just roll it into a snake and pile it up and you get a little pot? Yeah. And it may be trash and that's amazing. Yeah. But the way that you make a better one, right? And so often we just get lost in this like big idea thing and it, and it just gets stuck and we hold it and we hold it and we hold it and we hold it. I, I think that that has been probably like the key to my success over the past three years is just like, I'm willing to give it a go and do it and try it and know that there is so much learning on the other side of doing that cannot happen through reading a book and watching all the videos and getting all the trainings and the certifications that'll make you qualified. Mm -hmm. I did this whole ridiculous thing with um, a workshop that I led at Camp Yes, actually. And I said, nobody is going to knight you as an expert. No one's going to like come to your door and be like, I now therefore declare you, sir, the expert in all the things break the twitch, right? Like you just get to decide. 
you just get to decide that like I know things and then you get to share that like yeah. that's it and and how you build that confidence I don't like people don't just wake up one night and or one day and they're like and now I'm confident now I have this message to share it's like maybe I have this thing who can I share it with I'm like I mean the first workshop that I did was in my living room with 10 people about cool. build your dream life for 2017 or whatever right like and it's like we forget we forget that like that's how it starts. And so it's like, oh, I don't have a place to do it. Do it in your living room. I don't have a place to do it. Like call a friend who has a cabin in the woods. I didn't have a place to do my first retreat. We went camping. Hmm. Like if you want to make it happen, like there's a way to do it. And we can totally like just think ourselves and analyze all day long to talk ourselves out of it. And so it's coming back to like, why does this matter? Because like if it doesn't matter, you're going to find a reason and an excuse to not do it. You know, 100%. and there's so much more learning that happens when you just like do the thing than like overthinking the thing, you know, For sure. I'm like all about that. Like imperfect action over perfect inaction any day of the week. Any dang day of the week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, Hell yeah. this just has just this resounding uh, thought around the break the twitch concept of like the false first step. Oh, I want to be a runner. Well, I have to have really good running shoes. Cool. So, like, I've got the running shoes. Oh, that's not that exciting anymore. Uh, okay. Well, like, oh, I got to know my heart rate to be the real runner. Totally. Like, so I got to get the thing, the, the, <laughs> the heart rate monitor. And I don't want to downplay the value of research, the value of like a freaking grad school degree in like really specializing and getting amazing at this stuff. Yeah. There's huge value in a lot of these steps. Right. But I think also a lot of the time we look to externalize the work and thinking that just the one more thing will be what it is that helps me do that underlying journey that I'm trying to go on mm -hmm. when it's really like get the Play-Doh out. I love the concept of camp. Yes, specifically like the name of saying yes. Mm -hmm. I feel like personally, a lot of really amazing things have come into my life just because I've been like, okay, sure, sure, yeah, yeah let's do it. And when I didn't really know how it would happen or necessarily mm -hmm. what would come of it. Now, later, as I have a bit more kind of focus and like some goals and things like that, balancing the yes mm -hmm. with the no has become a new challenge because mm -hmm. in my earlier days I definitely said yes to all the things and probably fell through on some because I said yes to too many things mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts on yeah. in life different times sort of balancing like the yeah heck yeah and the maybe not right now is a good time we're not saying to say yes to everything like that's not the point of like say yes to all the things it's like it's about saying yes to yourself and really getting clear based on where you're at in your life right now, what that looks like and means to you in each and every moment. And there's this play shop called the magic of yes and no. And really looking at like, where does yes in my, like, where does yes live in my body? Like as an embodied practice and where does no live? And actually when someone asks you and there, we do like practice rounds with people, like asking someone a question and instead of just responding or reacting, what we, you know, like because we say yes, because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings, or we, we want to be grateful for the opportunity or whatever. And so we react versus respond and taking a moment to pause and check in of like, is this a hell yeah, or a fuck no. And if it's not a hell yeah, to honor the no, and that there's a way to say no to an, an offer or an invitation and yes to a person hey, I would love to go on that hike with you. And I'm actually working on this book that I need to get done. I need to get the edits done by the end of the week. But I would love to go get, you know, go next week sometime. Or I'd love to hop on the phone with you if I can't do a in-person thing or something like that. There's an alternative offer potentially. Or it's just saying like, you know, thanks for the opportunity. And right now I have other goals and that's not feeling in alignment right now. Hmm. Or it's like I've started to say no to free speaking engagements. Right. Like that's been a shift for me. And it's like, as much as I know the value of like getting in front of the audience, I need to value my time and also trust that there's something else that's on the other side of me saying no to a thing that isn't in alignment right now. And so knowing where you're going, I think what you said, like knowing where you're going and knowing what your goals are kind of helps guide that yes and no. 
Versus at the beginning when you're just like, I don't know what is happening. I'm just like going to say yes to all the things. And I think that's a great time to be saying yes and to I all the And I think things. that that's great. Like at the beginning, you do have to just like put yourself out there and like be willing, like do the podcast and do the speaking, do the whatever. As things grow, I think it's honoring ourselves and, and just being willing to pause. I think it's like the power of a pause versus this like need to have this knee jerk response or I need to get back to them right away or... It's like even just saying, I need a mo- I need a day to think about that. Like, thanks for the offer or thanks for this invitation. And I need to look at my calendar or I need to double check so that I don't overbook myself or over schedule things and and make sure that like if I'm going to show up, I can show up 100 percent versus like saying yes. And then giving like everything 50 percent of me versus like these five things, 100 percent of me. And I think that there's different yeses and nos that kind of happen at on the entrepreneurial journey and just in anyone's life based on where you're at and what you value and what's important to you. And so I think like knowing, I think that like taking a moment and not feeling like we have to just like respond right away and we just get to actually say yes to the things that we want to say yes to. And knowing that we might disappoint people along the way, like, and that's okay. But I think that if we say yes to everything, yes, everyone, we're going to burn out. It's like, it's just not sustainable. You can't do it. We do condition ourselves to feel uh, an immediate response to a request is necessary. Yeah. Because we feel like maybe we're letting the person down if we don't right away, you know, the answer right away or, or we, for some reason, but like, what an amazing, like, Hey, I really would love for you to do this thing. And you know, you're going to have to prep an entire talk for it and whatever. And it's exciting. Even if the opportunity is exciting, maybe that's even a better time to go like, that sounds incredible, but I want to make sure that I can commit fully if I agree to this. So thank you so much. But is it okay if I get back to you? Right? Like acknowledging that, that gift of the opportunity, but then kind of going, but let me like really think about that. I think that we feel really bad or that we live in a culture where it's like saying no is like a rejection to that person, you know, and like, oh, what if I never get an opportunity again or whatever? Like one of the hardest things I said no to was actually right after I left my or I put in my letter of resignation at Western. I worked at when I worked at the university. And then there was this opening in this leadership studies department because I was like, oh, well, what if I just like taught a class and still connected to Western? And anyway, I went through the whole interview process and I had to teach a class and I had to do all of these, all these things. And I go into this woman's office who I super respected. She was like director of the leadership studies program at Western. And she was going and I had thought about like, man, what am I going to say when they, when or if they offer me the position? Like, do I want this? Like, and I really had to sit with that. And I thought to myself, if I say yes, it's going to be because I don't believe that I can go all in on my dream. Like it's out of fear. I would say yes out of fear. And that was like, and so I go in her office and she starts talking to me as though I was going to say, you know, it's like, oh, and you can start on this day and da, 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 da. And I said, Karen, I like, I have to pause you for a moment, but I've sat, I've really thought about this and like, I need to say yes to like my, my dream and I need to say no to this opportunity. And I hope that you can like respect that. Or I don't know exactly what I said, but it was like, I've really thought about this and it's not a hell yeah for me right now or whatever. I don't think I said hell yeah, but, (laughs) and it was so hard at that moment to say no to someone that I totally respected, say no to this amazing opportunity, like, like, Oh, professor and leadership studies at a university, right. Say like, and I was just like saying yes to like being an entrepreneur and like doing this thing, <laughs> but I don't know if it's going to work out. Like super unknown, yeah. super unknown. But it was like, there is that intuition and there's the whisper and there's this knowing. And it's like, if we slow down enough, we can hear it. And I think it's the speed in which we're going through our life that we actually don't have, like, we're not in touch with that place. And the cool part to wrap up that story, because it's like, this is the whole, like, when you say no, there's like a yes on the other side, is a year later, she hired me to come speak at that leadership studies class that I would have been teaching Snap for like pretty much the amount that I would have gotten paid to teach the entire class. I got paid for one hour doing a talk to the class that I would have been teaching. 
So like there's yes on the other side of no. And I think that sometimes when we say no, we think it's like, that's it. Or we're, you know, we're breaking trust or rapport. They're never going to ask me to do something again. If I can't go to that, then I'm like out, you know? Yeah. I remind myself of that moment when I like, I'm having a hard time saying no to opportunities. Yeah. I think that's just why no can be so scary sometimes because you, you see a tangible opportunity that you're giving up. And so when you say no to something, you know what you're saying no to, but you don't know what that means you're going to be able to say yes to because of it. Right. You don't know. And, and so it's like, you're losing a tangible for a totally, for a dream maybe, or for like something else. And it's beautiful that that's, that's such a cool thing that, you know, you came back and did the speaking gig and it came through like that because I think that is real. And I think that is something that, mm. that is totally, we need to be thinking about as we create space in our lives for these mm. opportunities to come through, that these are the possibilities and they're infinite and yeah. space itself is infinite. Anything can fill it. And that's exactly. an amazing, beautiful thing when we create that space for ourselves. And when we don't create it, there isn't space. You know, like that's the like that's the the downside of saying yes to everything is that there's no space for that new energy or new possibility or new opportunities to f- come in. Yeah. Because if we're just busy and running around like, duh, 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 you know, then it, I always say it's like if we're here and we're here and we're here, we're just saying yes, 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 yes. Versus like when we say no, it creates this like space and a pause mm-hmm. for like something new to come in. And there is this element of of trust and faith and like. And I think operating in the world, knowing, I think saying yes to everything is like a scarcity mindset where it's like, this is the only opportunity I'm ever going to have to do do this thing. And when we say no, we're like, there is this amount, like there's trust and abundance of like, if this client doesn't work out, this other thing will, if this thing doesn't work out, this other thing will. And like, it's also a mindset and an energy and a perspective of like how you show up in the world. And that is such a more peaceful way of operating then like it's it's like graspy like this like graspy energy versus this like open and receptive and connected place where like I can trust that if I say no to this I'm gonna be okay mm-hmm. and they're gonna be okay and everybody's gonna be okay and just to kind of like and even from the external position of that right it's like if you were a hiring person or if you were someone looking for someone for an event to speak at in this example or something like that. Yeah. Do you, the energy from the person that you're potentially hiring, right. what kind of energy do you want? Do you right. want someone that is desperately grasping at every single thing that comes, which I understand there are phases, there are times for that where you take every opportunity that comes right. to get things going. But like energy wise, are you looking for the person that's like, you know, uh, I'm going to have to see if this is, can fit this in and this can be something that I can really give my full attention to because I show up fully for everything that I do. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, shoot, let me know. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you, let me know. There's a way to say no to an invitation and yes to a person. Mm-hmm. There's also a way to say yes to an invitation that can feel like a no, mm. meaning like, Hey, can you come speak at this thing? And it's like, fine. Like I'll be there with time. Like I technically that's a yes. Technically that's a yes. Technically that's a yes. But it's like the energy of the yes, right? Like, is it, does it feel like this is an obligation or is it an actual, like, is it a hell yeah? Like, is this a hundred percent a yes for me or not? I think that there's any, I mean, I have felt that when I've asked someone to do something like, oh, can you do the dishes or whatever? (laughs) You know, I was like, fine. And it's like, fine, I'll do it. Like, if you're not going to do it and be you know, like enjoy yourself doing the dishes. Like I would rather do it. Right. There's like an energy of, we can say yes. And just still like not really feel it. And like, that's not, that's like a lose, lose. Cause like you're doing it because you feel bad to not do it. And then it's like, you're not going to perform. It's not going to be effective in the end. Right. So and it's like, it's like, doesn't even count doesn't really as good. a favor. Cause like you're doing it, but you're not yeah. doing it out of love. Versus like, yeah, like, like I'd love to help you I with that. The dishes or like, like you're talking about. That's oh, funny. <sighs> so Marley, you got some stuff here. I do. Which I'd love to know about. Uh, for those watching on video, you'll be able to see what's going on. So go to youtube.com slash BTT podcast and check out this episode if you're not already. So what's up? Check it out. So um, as a facilitator, I like creating tools to use in my events. And 
one of the big things with the events that I run is just how important connection is. And there's always that like weird 30 minute awkward time when it's like, okay, doors open at 630, event starts at seven. Everyone's like wandering around and being like, I don't know, am I in the right place? This is weird. Like, do I talk to people? And there's nothing happening. And so, and a lot of events will say like informal networking and instead of informal networking, I call it intentional connecting. And so I created this deck of cards called the connect deck. And I cannot tell you how many decks of question cards that I bought and they all suck pretty much. I like like 10% of them, you know, like table topics and all these other ones. And I'm just like, okay, I have to like weed them out. And I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to make my own deck of questions that I actually want to answer. There's that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, if it hasn't been created, I'm going to create it. So this is a deck of cards and they all have like fun little nature pictures because I like nature and all that fun stuff. And then on the back, there's all of these questions that are super fun. And then the Stow quotes were my OG card deck. Yeah, I remember. I, I think we met right <laughs> at about when this came out. Yeah. Yeah, think better, live better. Right there, I don't know. I love quotes. And so I was like, I should just create my own deck of quotes. And so I did. So these are super fun, you know, phrases and things that I say to myself and good reminders and people put them like on their mirror, on their wall. That one says, you are stronger than you think. You're stronger than you think. Dream bigger, bigger than is reasonable. This is like probably my favorite because I just, everyone needs to hear this. You are way more than enough. Just some fun little tools and I use them in, when I speak and I have people write on the back like what is the action you're going to take and they do don't quote selfies with them. And <laughs> That's great. It's super fun. So yeah, I just figured I'd bring them on the show and show, show your off. people yeah, all, the, all the fun little toys that I have. Well, you know, in the spirit of questions, I guess yeah. it is time to for you to it's do time. one of our questions. What inspires you? Oh, that's a, yeah. The thing that inspires me the most is like making a positive impact on other people's lives. Like I'm super lit up by it. It's the thing that gets me out of bed. It's the thing that motivates me. And I think that I feel the most inspired when I'm like doing the work that I feel like I'm meant to do in the world. When I'm speaking and when I'm connecting with people like at Camp Yes and just getting to witness people's lives transform. And that is the thing that I think seeing and witnessing that like the light bulb go off and the transformation happen and that I was a part of someone else's journey. It's just like, it's the thing that I want to do for the rest of my life. So Marley, where can people find you and your awesome questions and your stoke quotes and all that stuff? Where can they find you online? Easiest place is my website, marleywilliams.com. M-A-R-L-I williams.com. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for your time today and coming on. Thank you so much.